Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Scanning for audio. Welcome to a Tin Dog Podcast, this time talking about episode 2 of the 2017 series Doctor Who on TV, Smile. Now, as you heard from the exciting introduction, there is a whole IT crowd have you turned it off and on thing going on, which is fine, except of course I was watching it with my wife, and after three minutes of the programme, that's what I said, that's what she said. That's what we both said. We thought, no, no, it couldn't possibly be that simple. My issue with the whole thing is an issue that some people have had with Doctor Who for many, many a year. You see, old-fashioned Doctor Who, you know, the classic series as it used to be known, shall we start calling it Doctor Who version 1, and this could be Doctor Who version 2, because then when it gets cancelled and comes back and be version 2.0 or 3, 3, 3.0 you know what I mean anyway is that it used to take, and I'll use Philip Hinchcliffe as a very good example, it used to take stories that already existed like The Invisible Man or Dracula or something like that repackage it, rework it and give it back to us in a Doctor Who lovely tasty format. Well this story for me just felt far, far too much. Like 2000DD's greatest comic strip. And I'm not talking Rogue Trooper, although that was marvellous. No, I am talking Robo Hunter. Robo Hunter story number one concerns, well, a planet. A planet filled with robots, ready for the colonists to arrive, except all the colonists, when they arrive, vanish. Because the robots have all gone sentient and they think of themselves as better than humans, but the humans that they're expecting must be better than them because they were created by humans. And, of course, many of them end up dead. Now, there is a rather sick bit in Rubber Hunter where uh, the head is using sim, because that's what they call them, simulated humans, because they know that the humans themselves must be better than robots. They've used sim brain matter as a processor, so he's basically using body parts. Oh yeah, very nice. So anyway, that's 2000 AD, that's kind of all I was thinking. And it wasn't until I let the programme just wash over me that I started enjoying it a lot more. Yes, Bill, great, no problems there. Yes, people are trying to see significance in numbers on jackets and all sorts of nonsense like that, and good luck to them. I'm sure it's important, and I'm sure despite the whole importance of Matt Smith's jacket in one of the episodes. No, this is just a jacket. I could be wrong. I'm more than willing to be wrong. You know I am. But you've got your basic story. Yes, just like last week's, this story looked fantastic. And yes, the two cold opening beginning bits could have been interchangeable, but it was nice to have a a feed-in straight from last week's episode. 
in a, well, an almost Hartnell-esque way, but let's not go down that particular road. That's not important. What is important is that I have a feeling that Matt Lucas isn't going to be in a few episodes, possibly an entire half a season, or maybe a whole season, because he's gone off to put the kettle on. And this story, and at least next week's, take place before they get back in time for tea. Back in time for tea rings up. Oh, yes, sorry, that was the last line of one of my kids' books. That's also not important. So perhaps the ongoing theme of this, apart from, of course, the vault, will be getting back in time for the kettle to have finished boiling and the doctor not to have messed about with his oath, his promise. Nice and vague description, just enough to keep us going, just enough information to keep us occupied and happy. That's fine. There are two crimes committed in this episode. Bear with me. The first, of course, is quite obvious. Ralph Little. Having Ralph Little, who is a gloriously good actor and massively underrated and would perfectly have made a good choice for the next Doctor, not as anybody other than Sir Bloke who has about six lines and then goes away. Well, it's a bit of a waste. Now, the other waste, the in-story waste is the gardener at the beginning, the one who's explaining that you must smile. She is the same actress who played Ronnie's mum in Sarah Jane Smith Adventures. Now, I'd like to think that the reason that she looks like that is because it's part of Ronnie's DNA and eventually that's her family heads out into the stars, admittedly one membering getting eaten by tiny robots. And I'll talk about robots in a moment. So perhaps that's my in-universe excuse or reason. I can live with that, no end. But what else have we got? Well, we've got a perfectly adequate story. It looks fabulous. Going off to Spain to film there was a great call. Yes, they've used a location, but you know what? It just looked gorgeous, and it was filmed so well. One thing I did notice is that the name of the original colony ship was just the words, now here, reversed. Come on... Boise, try a bit harder. Unless, of course, that's important for later on. Are we there yet? Yes, we're now here. We're here now? Here now, I guess. Yeah. Crashing on. Yes, I have issues with the robots. Speaking in emoji is ridiculous. But then again, I'm sure we do things that are ridiculous to the people of the future. But if you've got an emergency, it's like, oh no, is there an emoji for, oh no, the reactor is on fire, or someone's fallen down a pit? I just don't know. I don't do emojis. I have trouble enough with the English language. Perhaps one day someone will write an entire novel in emoji, but I, for none, will not be buying it. I don't understand. Yes, I know. And one big problem with the whole of the story are the little badges. The ones that tell them what emotion they're having and it's on your back. Well, this entire plot could have been fixed using a felt-tip pen. Draw a little smiley on your back for everyone who wakes up and everyone's going to be happy. Literally not dead. They can be as miserable as they want, but as long as the badge itself says happy, the little droids are going to be more than content. Now, switching them off and on again. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Now, when you're watching it, you just kind of let it wash over you and you go, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, there, there might be a slave race because they've gone sentient, but it's perfectly 
decent to uh, insult machines when they're not sentient. Because, let's face it, if something looked like a washing machine, you wouldn't want to give it a vote. But if something had a hand it could raise in the air, you'd consider giving it a vote. Yeah, that kind of thing. So, this creature, this race, are going to think that they've evolved themselves. They're not going to question anything in the past. They're not going to go, where have we come from? Because obviously, no sentient race ever thinks, where have we come from? That would be ridiculous. So, obviously, this is a stopgap measure. Now, they've switched them off and on again. Does that mean they've lost the sentience? Evidently not from the way the Doctor's talking, which means that they have some residual programming left over from the earlier things. This is all in-universe stuff, and it's stuff that will annoy me, but only because I'm thinking about it too much. Thinking about stuff too much is one of the great breaks of human evolvement. You start going, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? And eventually you find yourself not doing anything other than just questioning stuff. Yes, Frank has produced a fantastic bit of writing, No questions. Absolutely no questions whatsoever. And yet, I still find myself going, well, well done, Frank, for not repeating yourself on Forest of the Night, because nobody really liked that. Well, no, it was nice. It was a lovely experience. It just didn't make sense. If Forest of the Night had taken place on an alien world, people would have had absolutely no problems with it. The fact that it took place on Earth and nobody even thought about it, well, that's an issue. Just like the moon is a giant egg. Oh, no, it's not. It's not an egg. I'm sorry. It's just not. I can't go there. I'm having a bad taste in my mouth once more. No, 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 no. That's not important. What is important is that this year, just like the last time Doctor Who was on TV, and the time before that, and the time before that, I'm much happier with Big Finish than I am with TV Doctor Who. Perhaps it's because I kind of know what I'm going to get, But that's also not true, especially if you've heard my review of the last few main range releases. No, I just happen to prefer Big Finish Doctor Who to TV Doctor Who. And that's a bit sad, but it can't be helped. The fact that next week we've got a whole Frozen London thing and we've got a bit of a, oh, let's use the word steampunk and you can have a drink if you're playing the Tin Dog drinking game. But yeah, I am looking forward to next week. And I'm wondering if the thing under the Thames is coiled around the giant Cyberman. The Cyber King, is that what it was called? Or perhaps this takes place just considerably earlier than that. I would say. It's not important, but it is something worth thinking about. So did I enjoy it? Of course I enjoyed it. Is it something I'll be rushing to watch again? Uh, Perhaps. But then again, if I don't like it, I can always just switch it off and switch it back on again. So until next time, when I'm probably going to be talking about Doctor Who, in fact, almost definitely, be seeing you. That was the Doctor Who Tin Dog Podcast, available on iTunes, YouTube, Twitter, RSS, Vimeo, and across the internet. Doctor Who and its associated properties are all copyright and trademark of the BBC. No infringement is intended. Why not become a supporter by visiting patreon.com slash tindog. Contact the show on tin-dog at hotmail.co.uk. The Tin Dog Podcast is a founder member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. 